Jesus, I, I pray that this would not be me just speaking words. It wouldn't just be something that we've heard before, but it would be something that you would speak into our hearts and that you would change our lives. I pray that you would hear these words and that we would hear these words in a new way, in a fresh way. God, hide me behind your cross so that you may be praised and glorified and that your word would speak into our lives. Amen. Genesis 1 says that man is created in the image of God. It sets the scene and God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates all of creation. And man has it set up perfectly. Adam and Eve are together. They're not alone, but they're together. And they have a perfect relationship with their creator. Their creator literally dwells in the midst of the garden with them. Genesis 3. Our humanness is revealed. We mess up. We make a life-altering mistake that forever changes the course of humanity. And we fall away from God. Now there's no longer this perfect relationship that took place in the garden. Adam and Eve are kicked out of the garden and they're separated from God. As we read through the Old Testament, we see that there's this barrier. God is never physically present in front of all the people. If God appears to a person, it's one person that he has selected, but he never reveals himself. There's still something in between. In 2 Samuel 22.7, we find a song of praise written by David. And in this song, he addresses where God can be found. David writes, In my distress, I called to the Lord. I called out to my God. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came to his ears. And here we find that it was revealed to us that there's this relationship where God dwells in the temple. If we were to create the church system back then, if you wanted to see God, you had to come to church. Because God wasn't going anywhere else. God was in the temple. And so we see something that kind of looks like this. Next slide, please, Nancy. Sorry, the next one after that. We see this division. That heaven and earth are made put together by the temple. That it is the temple that represents God in our relationship with him. There's this barrier between us. N.T. Wright says, the temple is where heaven and earth meet. 
Heaven could be found only in this one place. But then, as we celebrate at Christmas, a Savior is born. God sends His Son into the world to redeem the world. Jesus says in Matthew 12, 6, I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. And so we find the next step in the story. That something greater than the temple is here, and that is Jesus. You see, that temple representation, that God was only found in that temple, now became life in flesh and blood in Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus is where heaven and earth meet. It's in Jesus Christ. A couple weeks ago, we talked about Friday. We talked about Jesus choosing to give his life for us. That it wasn't something that he was forced into. He really had all the control over the situation. At any point, he could have changed his life circumstances. But he chose to die for us. And last week we looked at Saturday. And we looked at how a day that nothing happened could change our lives forever. Because the one thing that Jesus and man had not defeated was death. But Jesus defeats death by doing the very thing that we couldn't. He submits to it. Because if there is no death, there can be no resurrection. There can be no Sunday without a Saturday. And there can be no Saturday without a Friday. If you're seeing where this is going, all three days have to happen. We see something else take place. Jesus says, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. You see, something actually is taking place here that we don't find anywhere else prior to this Jesus saying. You see, Jesus, prior to this, had only referred to God as God, and referring to him as Father, he referred to him as my Father, or his Father. Jesus never referred to God as our God, as humanity's God. He never referred to the Father, as our Father. But here he's saying that something is being completed. That there's something that's changing. There's another change that's about to take place. And I'm about ready to save your lives. My mission is about ready to be complete. What Jesus was saying was what the very song that Jeff just sang He's saying, you are, I am. 
It's in the beauty of realizing what that really means. It's because Jesus was who he said he was. And it's because he was the son of God who came and lived among us and died and gave his life for us that we are free. It's because he was the savior of the world that we have hope. It's because he died for our sins that we can live. You say we find our fullness. We are made complete in him because of who he was. Not because of anything that we did, but it was because of him. And then Jesus ascends into heaven and it says he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And then we see something even more miraculous happen. Next slide, please. The Holy Spirit becomes the place where heaven and earth meet. The Holy Spirit is where they come together. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. Now think back. We started out with the diagram that the heaven and earth met in the temple. And now we're to a place where the Holy Spirit is that place where heaven and earth meets. And Paul just says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That it's God living in us. We are that place now where heaven and earth meet. Do you see the picture becoming complete? That it's no longer a separation between God and man. There's no longer a divide between you and God. Except for the things that you and I put there. The things that you and I put there. Because you see, Jesus died so that any physical barrier that stood between us would be removed. And that is what we celebrate on Easter. We celebrate something becoming new in us. We celebrate life, not death. I was listening to the radio this week, and I heard someone share this video on K-Love, and I got it, and I want to show it to you. Because as I listened to this, and then I went and watched it. Just a minute. Click it again. Okay, turn the volume up and just watch the video.
<laughs> Somebody throw it in, no. I don't know if you could tell or not, but this little girl has Down syndrome. She was a sixth grader. She loved basketball. She tried out for the team, and I can only imagine she was made fun of. Why are you wasting your time? Why are you trying to do this? But you see, she did something that changed her friends. She didn't quit. She didn't give up. She was their cheerleader during the games. She cheered them on. And the neat thing about it was, I don't know if you saw it at the end, but a girl from the other team hugged her. Prior to this, she had never gotten the ball to even touch the net. They gave her six tries and she scored on her sixth try. You see, it didn't matter that she couldn't dribble down the court. She grabbed the ball and she ran. It didn't matter that she missed the shot and missed and missed and missed. But she kept trying. And the beauty of that is the crowd at the very end, screaming and cheering for her. You see, that's the kingdom of God right in front of us. That's Jesus saying, I don't care if you can dribble the ball. I don't care if you don't have everything together. You don't have to. I don't care if you keep messing up. I don't care if you keep missing the shot over and over and over again. But are you trying? Are you giving up or are you still trying? That's what he cares about. He doesn't care about our mistakes. 
He cares if we care ourselves to get past those mistakes. You see, when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, it changes things. You see, because we get this thought in our head that God is separate from us. But he's not. He's staying right beside us. You see, if Jesus was actually here today, like physical body here today, he wouldn't be up here. He wouldn't be up here doing the preaching. He would be making fun of the preacher because I probably said something wrong. But no, he, he's out here. Pam, you see that cross up there? I did that for you. But I'm not up there. I'm right here. He's saying that to Stan, to Toby, to Bob, to Marty. You see that cross up there? I did that for you. But I'm not up there. I'm right here. I'm cheering you on. I'm supporting you when you miss the basket. I'm supporting you when everyone makes fun of you because you're not good enough. Do we see it? Do we realize that? You see, the thing about us being human is that we forget. I guarantee you that some point tomorrow we'll forget. Each one of us. But the even greater thing is Jesus didn't go anywhere. He stays right with you. And when you score, when you give glory to him, when you recognize his presence in your life, when you give him credit for what he's doing in your life, all of heaven rejoices. And the crowd goes wild, if you will. See, Jesus says in Revelation 21.5, I'm making all things new. All things. That there's nothing outside of my grasp to be able to transform and change inside of you. Kalen said something really cool this week. He doesn't know he said it because he was confused. And he came up to me this week. He was here with me at the office, and I was playing the drums a little bit. And he's like, Dad, you know people can't see you. I'm like, good. He's like, why? I'm like, because that's the way I want it. He's like, why don't you want them to be able to see you? I was like, Kaylin, you don't realize what I'm saying. They can't see me because the cross is in front of me. 
Is the cross in front of you? Or are we putting ourselves in front of the cross and forgetting about what Jesus did for us? See, he's living in us. Revelation 3.20, one of my favorite verses when I think about Jesus Christ. It says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will eat with that person and they with me. You see, Jesus is just waiting for us to ask him into our lives. He's constantly showing up. He's constantly doing things around us to get our attention. And if we just simply ask him to come into our life, he doesn't say that I'm going to come in and and I'm just going to ransack the place and transform everything and everything's going to be perfect. No, not at all. But he says he's going to come in and he's going to eat with us. He's going to sit down right beside us and he's going to talk about life. He's here inside each one of you. And he's saying, I want to eat with you. I want to be a part of your life. You see, because sharing a meal wasn't just something you did with just anyone. But it was people who were important to you, who you ate with, who you shared life with, who knew the deepest, darkest secrets about your life. And Jesus says, I want to be there. When you fail, I want to be there to pick you up. When you need encouragement, I want to be the teammate that hugs you when your own teammate said you weren't good enough. I want to be there when you need me. Let me. Let me be there. I am the hope in the hopeless times. Jesus is the comfort in the pain. He's the Savior when we need freedom. But do we know him? Do we know who this Jesus is? We've just spent the last nine weeks, I think, something like that, looking at who he was. And it wasn't just the miraculous things that he did that affected our lives. It was the everyday things that you and I experience every single day that we don't realize that he was the one who influenced them. Jesus changed everything. And the cross that was meant for death became something that represents life. Does it represent life for you today? 
And let me tell you this, if you do not know the Jesus Christ that I know, if you do not know the Jesus that I'm talking about, that is the one that will stand beside you no matter how many times you fail, if you don't know the Jesus that loves you in the midst of your darkest times, if you don't know the Jesus that wants to be beside you no matter what you're going through, don't leave here today until you do. Do not leave here today. Talk to somebody. I promise you that if you give your life to Jesus and you live for him, don't be concerned about the many times you fail and beat yourself up because you're going to fail. You're going to fail miserably at times. But what's important is that you remember he's right there saying, I love you. I'm not going anywhere. You haven't done anything to push me away. It will not be easy. Life will not be simple. Your worries will not evaporate overnight. Your pain will not go away immediately. But I can promise you he will change your life. The question is, do you want him to? Because I can't make you. See, the thing is, is I could give the best message ever. I can be the most convicting person ever. I can just make you feel like you're worthless until you give your life to Christ. But that doesn't mean anything. Because see, tomorrow, or even like, I don't know, 15 minutes from now, when you forget everything that I just said, the only thing that's going to matter is if you were sincere about giving your life to Christ. Because it's in those moments that you can say, oh, I, I want to do this. I need to be a better person. I want Christ to change my life. Because I realize that apart from Jesus Christ, I cannot get to God. We cannot do it ourselves. Without Jesus Christ, there's only one other option. And it's not the pretty one. It's the place where your failures are rubbed in your face. It's the place where you're told you're not good enough. That you'll never amount to anything. That you're laughed at when you fail. I don't know about you, but that sounds a lot like where we're at right now at times. Let Christ live in your heart. Ask him to come into your life. 
But once you ask him to come into your life, your job's not done. Because it isn't a magic trick. It isn't God come into my life, great. And you get to go out and do all the same things you did before you gave your life to Christ. Nothing changed. It becomes a process of changing who you are. Because if truly you give yourself to Christ and you let him come into your life, the next time you put in music that you're used to listening to, that disgraces women and puts them down and tells them they're worthless and treats them like trash. And if you talk about the drugs and the alcohol and the music, there's something inside of you that just says, I used to like that song, and for some reason now it doesn't. I don't like it. And then you don't listen to it because it kind of turns you off. Well, guess what? That's called Jesus Christ transforming you into his likeness. Because it doesn't honor him. And slowly things will begin to change in your life. That's only if you're like the little girl who never gave up. Who no matter how many times she failed, she kept on going. That is the follower of Christ that glorifies God. Not the one who has it all together and never fails. But the one who fails and says, Jesus, I need your help. I ask you to stand with me this morning. If you'll close your eyes and bow your head with me. I don't know everyone's circumstances in life. I don't know all the things that are going on inside of you. Only you do. I can't be the judge of them and I can't tell you what you need to do or not do. You know. But I want each of you to ask yourself. Is Jesus living in my life? I want you to ask yourself, do I want Jesus to live in my life? And for some of you, it may be, I've already given my life to Christ, and I know that he saved me, but I've actually, nothing happened. I gave my life to Christ, but there's I forgot about it. I, I dropped the ball on God again. I'm not talking about reconfirming your faith and saying, yes, I am, I'm back on board. That's not what this is about. 
This is about us getting serious with Jesus Christ today. This is about saying, Jesus, I want you in my life because I know that apart from you, I cannot do it. If that is you, I want all of us to pray this prayer together. Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, I need you in my life to make me complete. I see that there's something in my life that isn't right. There's something missing. And Jesus, I need you. I want you in my life. Come into my life and teach me who you are. Help me to do the things that glorify you. Help me to get back up off the ground when I fail. Jesus, make me new today. Amen. Here's what I want you to do. I'm not going to call anyone out. But if you prayed that prayer and you're serious, I want you to come up and talk to me after the service. Because I want to help you. I don't want to be the person that says, this is what you need to do, come to Jesus, and then throw you out into the world and say, good luck. But I want to come alongside you, and I want to help you. I want to connect you with people that can love you and support you in this. Because if there's one thing that I have needed in my life, it was nine other pastors who I can call on at any time of day and say whatever's on my mind and know that they have my back and that they're going to pray for me and they're going to be there when I need them. And I know my wife will do the same. That's the best thing that has helped me in my Christian walk. So if you prayed that prayer, come talk to me. You don't have to be embarrassed. It's nothing to be embarrassed about at all. If anything, it's something to be excited about. Because today is a new day. And it will never be the same again.